All right, inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes, beating all podcasts with tons more money than I have. <laughs> you know, it's called putting out quality content, not having the corporation gorilla behind your podcast that nobody cares about. I like to start off on a positive note. And on that note, I have a guest who I've known for 15 years. Yeah. But we really don't know each other. <laughs> Which is the great thing about LA comedy. I literally have known my next guest since the early days of my, uh, I don't want to say career, because that would imply I have one. Uh, but like since I started. But you know, it's it's LA comedy. You say hey to someone, what's up? You know, and then that's it. Uh, you know, then you're off to the next open mic and they're off to another open mic or to the comedy store and they're going to the improv. So it's not really uh, L.A. comedy. It's not a uh, environment where you can foster a friendship, <laughs> especially with all the palming jackalopes in this business. I got people already asking me how to get on roast battle season four. I'm like, you're asking the wrong guy. Is that not what we're talking about? No. Oh, shit. Only the most popular roaster on planet Earth, but let's bring back everyone but me. <laughs> okay. Let's bring back pro wrestlers who've never done it before, twin brothers who've never done it before, and people who've lost multiple times. Sorry, I'm a little bitter. But I'm honest. Please welcome to the Inappropriate Earl Studios, which is my condo in West Hollywood. I'm Larrabee. I'll tell you where I live. I'm no slave to the grind, Mr. Travis Clark. Man, it is so nice to be here. You know what I love about you, Earl? You never pull punches. You never have pulled punches. Which is why I haven't made it, and I'll be 50. <laughs> I'll be 50 in a month, but I don't care anymore. But you, okay. I think the bar for what's made it is different for different people. Well, I say that all the time, like... Uh, to an open micer, I've made it. Right. A couple TV shows, uh, a successful podcast, whatever you want to call it. To me, Joe Rogan's made it. To Joe Rogan, your dad has made it. Right. I'm sure to your dad, we'll get into that, although right. we're going to talk about you, but like, you know, it's hard to. It's like me trying not to talk about the Kennedy connection. It's just, you know, right, right. You're, you're mired in into the into the myth of it. Maybe to your dad, Adam Sandler's made it. Maybe to Adam Sandler, your dad's made it. Like it's, <laughs> but no, who knows? Yeah, everybody has a different yardstick, and 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 you you never measure up right. You know, I look. I'm I don't know where I fall into all those people that you've mentioned, but from my point of view. I fucking love seeing where you are. Like I like I do feel like you've made it. When every time I see you in the top ten of the podcasts, I lose my shit. I'm so excited because I remember when you started this. Oh, dude, when I started this podcast, literally, if you go back and listen to the first ten episodes, the sound levels were different for each episode because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, <laughs> I would have the you know I have a mixing board here. You probably don't need that for a podcast, but I you know. I'm the type, once I start something, I want to do it all in. Like, if I ever learned how to play the guitar, I would pay to have Warren D. Martini teach me. Like, and he he doesn't need the money because he's married into the Mars Candy Bar family. But oh, so, that Mars money is sweet. That's why he doesn't want to tour. 
Like Piercy will play a barbecue if I said, hey, here's five grand. <laughs> he'll be there and he won't be late and he'll do a full show. Uh, so, you know, this mixing board's got like probably 40 or 50 buttons and knobs. and they, None of them do anything. Don't worry about it. Well, I mean, I mean, the first episode I ever did with Jason Galern and, and Jason Washington, uh, I had the... Uh, Instead of the recorder plugged into the mixing board, I had it plugged into my iMac. Oh, I love that. So I never could air it because you literally, it sounded like uh, the volume sounded like I was in one spot and they were a mile and a half That's down. Fantastic. That's what's great about this stuff is that it's all Wild West. We're all figuring it out. At the podcast world, it's still the Wild West. Absolutely. I mean, I still don't know... Uh, you know, a lot of the intricacies of how to do one. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I don't even know why I'm so highly, uh, ranked. Uh, you know, it's been about the lot, like the last six months. Yeah. Nonstop. It's not a blip. Like that's the thing you'll see a new show come up. It'll take over the charts. You stayed there. So that to me means you do know what you're doing. Well, you, you know, I've been accused of hacking into iTunes. Have you? You know, I'm pretty sure if it was that easy, Everyone a lot of people would do, would do it. it. Yes, yeah. And there's lots of podcasts. I won't mention names uh, that all of a sudden they're one episode in and they're in the top 15. It's like, okay, that's someone who's like either their uh, podcast network or they themselves have got a manager who just pay, you know. Right. You can. I mean, someone told me you can pay like 15 grand to get into like the news and noteworthy section to get into. You know what else you can do? Because I've done this. I've I've produced several podcasts over the years. You just email them and you say, hey, I'm a new podcast. Love to be featured under new and noteworthy. Uh, works every time. Doesn't cost any money at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, but I mean, there was one. I don't want to give away who it is, but because oh. maybe they didn't do anything. Okay. No, I have no proof that they sat there and, and bought their way in, but like they had never done a podcast before. And all of a sudden theirs was ahead of me, like two episodes in and they're a popular person, but it's like, wait a minute. How's that possible? That reeks of some uh, t tomfoolery. It does. But I also love the idea of basically the bringer show mentality of a podcast. Like give us a bunch of money for the opportunity. No, I put it out. People will listen to it or they won't. That's the whole point. Oh, I know most of my, not, well, let me say not most, but like, I know because especially in the early days, I was like, I want to have weird guests on. Like I want to have the bad guy from Superman two on, not the main guy, not the uh, quiet guy. Yeah. <laughs> the guy with the beard. Yeah. <laughs> the great Jack O'Halloran. And I tweeted at him. I thought, yeah, this guy's not going to be on Twitter. He's got to be in his seventies, sixties. You know, he was probably forty or so when Superman well, yeah, yeah, Two yeah, yeah, was yeah. out, nineteen eighty. Was not a young man. And he got back to me, and he said, "Can we Skype?" I'm like, "No, that's not how I do it, dude." He said, "Can we do it over the phone?" Like he wanted to do it. I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I'll pay for your gas money because he lives, I think, in uh, Redondo or Hermosa." Oh, okay. And sure enough, one day he came over and he's, I think he's in his early seventies, huge dude still. And it was one of the best podcasts I've ever had in my life. That's amazing. It was almost three hours. I really didn't know a lot about him. And it turned out he was a heavyweight boxer before his acting career. And like he fought 
uh, I think George Foreman. Like he yeah. was legit. Okay, yeah, that, that tracks. He was scheduled to fight Muhammad Ali, but he said Muhammad Ali wouldn't fight him because he's a huge. I mean, he's enormous. He's probably six six, and you know, back then probably two thirty, two forty. It's clearly the biggest heavyweight in the world. And, uh, and then he got into acting once the boxing didn't, you know, pan out that well for him. And, uh, and but he got into like conspiracy theories and oh, but point that's being, my favorite showbiz career is when you go from one thing to another to another, and then you just end up in the Jesse Ventura bucket. That's but, my favorite trajectory. But with him, it was real. Like he wasn't doing shtick. He what he really believes. Like you know, uh, possibly the U.S. Uh, took out you know jfk and oh well, and, they for sure did and you know well i mean i don't really believe in conspiracy theories but they, it's possible i mean i listen to rogan all the time you see rogan's the only podcast i listen to uh because i like how he has such a uh, i don't want to say weird but uh a variety of guests sure yeah like you think someone like him would just have ufc fighters on no, he'll talk about cats and wrestling with Billy Corrigan. Yeah, flat yeah. earth. Yeah. Billy Corrigan's like totally into pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and Rogan's not really a pro wrestling guy. Like, he, it's just not his thing. I mean, he gets to commentate on real fighting. Right. It's hard to, like, watch Kamala and, you know, the Iron Sheik have a fictional match. <laughs> it's all entertainment. But, you know, I, I knew the bad guy from Superman 2 would not do that great numbers wise because he's not on social media really right he had like 500 followers on twitter uh so i sacrificed you know maybe getting a bigger name i want to interview people i want sure like you know the bad guy from roadhouse came on and we that got to, dude yeah marshall teague yeah 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 just tweeted at him said hey man uh, i'm a big fan of the movie i know you're probably sick of talking about it uh which I never really understood until like all like every podcast I go on, the first five questions are about roast battle. Sure. If so, I get it now. Like well, okay. every, everybody has that little bucket that they get put into that how someone's first context of you. That's usually about all they have. You know, that's it. But I always used to be like before roast battle came into my life, I was like. Why wouldn't you want to talk about Roadhouse? It's the best, like, it's the best, worst movie It's the best, ever. worst movie, for sure. Like, everyone, it's like Showgirls, uh, you know, and I can't get anyone from Showgirls on this podcast. Oh, I bet you can. They don't want to talk about it. I've reached out to, very, you know, because I'm such a fan of that movie, but, like. You couldn't I, get, I, like, Patrick Bristow on here? I feel like Patrick Bristow would for sure do it. Which one was he? He was the uh, redheaded gay guy. Who oh, was I would like, love to. Yeah, there's, he's an old groundling. He's an old uh, sketch comedy guy. See, I want his boss in that movie. I'm going to mispronounce his name. Alan It's Racine or Rashini. Because he was like a serious actor in L.A. Law and always played a, a heavy and in Showgirls, he played like this kind of over-the-top gay <laughs> choreographer. And I'm like, what? I would just love to be like. Tell me about that. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're a serious actor. What was it like when you got pitched that script? Were you lied to and told it was a serious movie? That episode probably wouldn't do that well. Because I'm assuming, Mr. and pardon my uh, apologies to him, Racine or Rasheen probably isn't even on Twitter. Probably not. What's all promotion? A podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're not on Twitter, if you're not, I mean, Facebook's kind of dying out. So Instagram and Twitter are like the, for me anyway, the two big ones. Right. If you don't have someone who's like uh, prominent on the, the, the episode will suffer. Yeah. It, I do a bunch of podcast shit too. Which and, ones? Let's get the plugs out of the all way. Right, all right. Uh, I do quick question with my buddy, Jonathan Sadowski. Uh, we just started season two. We just, uh, is that on iTunes? That's on the iTunes and the Stitcher and Spotify. You name a place where you listen to a podcast. We're there. Uh, I'm also part of the unpopular opinion network. I host a couple of shows over there. Uh, mostly one about the band Nirvana called heart shape pod. Um, how's that one going to end? We don't know yet. Uh, with a bang. Yeah, we got it's gonna end with a real bang. It's going to, it's got a heart out for sure. Uh, and I also host a limp biscuit podcast called $3 pod y'all because I lost a bet. I like limp biscuit. Do honest. you? I love, uh, you know, I appreciate showmanship. You know, I don't listen to, uh, music to go, okay, that's an interesting chord change. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's like uh i like the uh the drummer coming in on the fill and uh, you know i want to be like i saw rat a week ago uh two weeks ago this friday and uh i had a blast well that's like your that's like your favorite band though right it is but like it, it's not like you know and it's only two original members now uh the bass player and, and the singer but uh I don't think Rat's going to um, remind anyone of like Dream Theater or. That's true. <laughs> although I will say, Warren D. Martini, who's not in the band anymore, I will put him up against any guitar player on planet Earth uh, in terms of skills. But, you know, he dumbs down his playing for, for. Or he did dumb down his playing. He dumbed down his playing for Rat. Well, you know, like. My friend is the drummer in Kiss, Eric right. Singer. He might even be listening to this. He likes to check in every now and I've then. I've seen Eric around town a few times. He's a very recognizable fellow. But he he probably wouldn't admit to this because he's, he dumbs down his playing to play in Kiss. Well, yeah, it's Kiss. Like, right. There's only so many. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're doing like Neil Peart Phil. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, that would be really confusing. Well, I mean, they've got, but like he drums for Brian May, you know, and if you're drumming for Brian May, you're, he's not using, uh, you know, a, a substandard drummer, but. Are you talking about the astrophysicist Brian May? Well, the guy who looks, uh, the Brian May, who looks like uh, Bill Cosby's uh, accuser. <laughs> Brian May from Queen. Yes. He's also an astrophysicist. That's crazy. He also designed instruments that went and tested i think pluto like he has this crazy crazy career who else is like that uh well bruce dickinson bruce dickinson yeah that's crazy that bruce dickinson is a fully licensed jumbo jet uh pilot and holds like some world record for a solo flight or something like he's legit though it's not like he's in the co-pilot scene and he just you know <laughs> right. like press the autopilot button he flies the band and it's like uh, yeah air eddie right he's the yeah. uh, he's the pilot for for the 747 for the band and that's crazy that he can do a three-hour concert and then do a seven eight hour flight. I can't do a twenty minute set and then drive somewhere. Like I'm yeah, done. I'm let alone done. Fly a fucking yeah. plane. I mean, one mistake and you're dead. Yeah. One mistake and your album sales triple. 
It's true though. It does, you know. It anytime, does sell more records. Yeah. Uh, like who was it? Someone just passed away, relatively famous in the music. Maybe a rapper. And it was like literally the next day, their sales on iTunes were up nine hundred percent. So you know, like every '80s metal band is like, all right, who's expendable? Uh, who, exactly. Who can we lose? We don't really need the drummer, Bobby, right? <laughs> but you gotta be, you gotta, you, you gotta take out somebody big, though. Like we lose a Vince Neil. There's a lot more, a lot more uh, Motley Crue records going off the shelf. Oh yeah. We lose. Uh, who is the guy from Cinderella who sang with them for a bit? Well, um, so, I mean Tom Kiefer. Am I right? Is that the was yeah. that the guy? Who, yeah. He didn't die though. No, but if we lose him, yeah. that yeah. one record maybe blips a bit more. But it's not gonna. I feel. I feel the 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 front man really kind of sells. I mean, if you the whole catalog. Oh yeah, if you lost Stephen Piercy from Rat, and hopefully we don't, but uh, you know they would probably. Uh, you know, I think people like have always heard round and round, or sure. even maybe lay it down. Go, oh, I didn't know that was Rat, and then they'll just oh well, the guy died. Let's. Click. Wait, uh, was Milton Burl in one of their videos? He was in two of their videos. He was in Round and Round, and he was in Back for More at the end when he comes crashing through the Roxy door on a motorcycle and does a triple flip. Was he a rat fan? No, his uh, only I would know this. His I think his nephew uh, Marshall Burl managed Rat. <laughs> so they got Uncle Milty to be in the videos. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what made Round and Round such a great video was Milton Berle and Drag and, and uh, you know, uh, there's a great, it's probably on YouTube was where I saw it originally where the, the makeup guy's putting him in drag. And he's like, okay, Mr. Burl, the, the band's going to sit at the table and you're going to sit there. And he's like, I'm Milton Burl, goddammit. You don't tell me where to sit. And, and he was being serious. It's like, oh, fuck. I love that. Uh, but, I mean, that's probably helped made rat was the videos sure i mean you talk about a band that got lucky they popped right as mtv was popping but then they also suffered the whole uh grunge rebuttal right didn't they well wasn't one of their guys like like hanging billboards for a while no, that was kicks 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 was the guy the guy's job was to white out billboards <laughs> shit and uh you know because they were like you know Kicks. That's a K I X, correct? Not K I C K S. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like rats, two T's. Rat um, double T. Yeah, you got to put the double T on the rat. But uh, well, Kicks never. They had a "Don't Close Your Eyes" was a big hit, and then uh, "Blow My Fuse," "Cool Blood." They never really had like a huge. hit. They were never enormous. Yeah, they were never. I mean, they were like a. Enough's enough kind of level of right. Yeah. Like I don't think Rat has to worry about. Uh, I mean, they probably don't. You know, I mean, I dated the manager for Motorhead, so I saw Lemmy's checks. They had one hit, Ace of Spades, right? And then Lemmy did okay for himself. So Rat probably does the same. Maybe hundred grand a year in publishing, maybe a little more than Motorhead. And you got to split all that up though, right? Well, I would say, well, I don't know. Well, the the guy, one guy died of AIDS, so you don't have to cut him a check. Not his estate? You don't have to give that? I don't know, I don't know if know he had an estate. Um, so, and you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, Lemmy gave the other two guys full publishing, which was very cool. He didn't have to. No, he didn't. He really to. wrote 
most of the songs. And yet he was, I believe, 49% motherfucker. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that and the... Uh, 1% sober. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've often thought of killing myself, but putting out a comedy album the day before. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, my God. We thought Earl was so funny. Uh, not really. Die a legend, man. Why, uh, you know? Well, it's going to happen one day. I just hope I put out an album out the week before. Now we could get, this is what you need. You need like a media manager. You need a media suicide manager to get it all kind of synced oh, yeah. up, you know, just get the album out on comedy central, <laughs> you know, comedy central presents Earl Skakel dying. All right. Now, um, we know you're gonna, um, we get, we have some suicide options here for you, Earl. Um, I think rope is going to be the quickest. Um, but, uh, we also have, uh, intravenous drugs. If you want to go that direction or, or straight up bullet, which is, I mean, that's a little, uh, you know, a little, uh, it's not as, it's not where we see your brand of suicide fitting, but it is an option. Or why don't you blow your brains out on Roast Battle Season 4? <laughs> oh It'll get on TV. We'll put you in all the commercials. And we'll even give you the win. <laughs> Re but retrospectively. Yeah. Like, not in the not in the moment. My you know? brain yeah. matter will be all over the judges' table. And, well, you know, Errol... You it's know, a good punchline. I really like yeah. when your brain landed on my tongue. That yeah. was cool. Sorry, uh, insert pro wrestler who's never done it before. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. This business is crazy to me. You know what I love about show business is that it's fair and kind. Shit. <laughs> I mean, it's been a fascinating uh, education to see. I mean, this is the first time I've ever been on a show. Uh, so to see the network wheels... Uh, it's been uh, interesting, to say the least. I feel that there's a there's a lot wrapped up in the word interesting there. Well, I just to me, I look at it as like, okay, this is all of our first time on TV. We should all be happy, right? Uh, you know, we're all making money. We're all fucking, which is probably part of the problem on that show. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you're still into someone, and then oh, she's. Or he, the guys are just as bad, you know, because I've seen it with certain girls that, you know, they hook up with someone and then two weeks later, the guy's fucking someone else. And then, you know, you got to be in that room. Oh, my God. I, I look over there. He's fucked that girl. Oh, he's fucked that judge or she's fucked uh, this battler. And it's like it's the which probably makes the show work to that degree. Well, what I like about Roast Battle and by the way, I'm way too sensitive to ever have done one. I but you could do it, though. I could, but I would. I don't think I'd get out of bed the next day. You have to leave your body. Oh, I've been trying to do that for a long time. Right. Well, let me set up a battle for you. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing I would say I have actually found the most insulting is that no one has asked me. No one has ever said, oh, my God, I would love to. No one has ever been like, you and I need to go at it. Nothing. Well, now it's changed because the, that it's on TV. People, I think, view it as... I have to battle someone who can help get me on TV. Right. Like I get weekly battle offers still, even though I haven't been on the show in, uh, I don't know, whatever, a year, maybe a little longer, because they know that I'm a semi-popular person on the show. Who am I kidding? I'm the most popular person on the show. <laughs> so I modest. Haven't been on the show in a year and a half, and I get more battle offers than the fucking champion. <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> Shit.
hey, let's get the kid from the St. Jude's commercial on next season. You know, the oh, kid with the blanket? Yeah, yeah. Well, doesn't he do it? I donated. He probably did <laughs> do it this season. I don't know. I mean, I gave money to St. Jude's just so I can get the blanket. It's a good blanket. Uh, so I, I think it's changed. Like The reason why someone like you hasn't gotten like a lot of offers or whatever is because it's like, well, if I if I take on Travis, it's not going to help me get on the show. Right. The TV no, show. Yeah. Everyone now is, I got to get on the TV show. Got to get on next season. Season four. I mean, I'm sure people already are going, who do I challenge to get on season four? I'm going to stab a baby in season five. So I hope that's, I hope I hope someone doesn't take that before. Well, you know, you got to, you know, look in the rankings of roast battle. It's <laughs> true. Which the are ring. about as meaningful as pro wrestling outcomes. <laughs> I'm number eight. Maybe I'll get past at the comedy store. No, no. you won't. No, you won't. Don't think so. Guess uh, again. But, you know, it, it is. a. I mean, you know, like I had someone uh, yesterday message me. Hey, how do I get into roast battle? You know, and, and, and I could tell they like. Uh, you can answer that. I, I let people answer I, calls. I know, but I usually not the guy who does that. It's all good. That's awful. Uh, that is bad guest etiquette. No, it's not. You're I mean, allowed to punch me. It's okay. Nah, dude, you're one of the good ones. Uh, but you know, I'm like, well, dude, you know, it's like a little late in the game to, you know, try and get on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, season three, I'm sure there'll be a season four. There's seasons in the UK now, by the way, the quick shout out to the UK roasters for thanking me, which you haven't done. There's a UK. So UK roast battle with Jimmy Carr. Oh, okay. Cause he was big. So we ran into each other at JFL in 2016. Cause you were there doing the battle then. Yeah. I'm and, beating Jimmy Carr. Anyway. And Jimmy Carr was, yeah, he was there, right? It really helped me beating Jimmy. He gets his own show <laughs> and I never get asked to do the show again. You know, something's wacky about this business when that's happening. You know, again, I just say my favorite thing about show business is the fairness and the kindness. Well, I'm turning it slowly into the ultimate warrior who, toward the end of his life, would release these shoot videos. You know, in the pro wrestling parlance, shoot videos are when they talk real. Like, oh. they, they don't, it's not, uh, they really mean what they're saying. And he cut an hour promo once on Hulk Hogan that I, even if you don't like wrestling, it's the fucking funniest video you've ever seen. Just the bitterness and the anger and just the honesty. It's an hour of him in his garage talking shit on Hogan. I, did he become like a libertarian he became politician like a, or something? Or? He made Sean Hannity look in the middle. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. He, he went super off to, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even think Republicans would claim him. Like he really went like like very anti-homophobia which is weird given the anti-homophobia or pro-homophobia anti like oh. he was very much was not a fan of uh homosexuals which is strange because you know when you look at the world of pro wrestling it's uh it's greased up it's dudes hugging each other yeah uh so he but it's just the honesty of this video where he's he's not even calling him Hulk Hogan. He's calling him by his Terry? real name, Terry. Terry. You're a real piece of shit, Terry. You know, your wife was a whore. You were a cocaine oh, abuser. And the only person who didn't partake in your wife was me, you know. Wow. <laughs> so uh, I'm, that's the ultimate part of his name, right? He's the well, now he's warrior. Well, now he's dead. <laughs> right. But like, uh, did he just become warrior? Yeah. He changed his name legally to warrior. It was actually quite. Um, 
kind of brilliant. Like the WWE copyrights all their names. So right. like, if you're Macho Man Randy Savage and you leave. You got to be uh, Macho King. You got it. Yeah. You got to be like uh, Man Mountain Savage. You can't be, <laughs> oh my you know, if you're the big boss man, uh, like when he went to WCW, he had to call himself Big Bubba. It's just funny how they try and tweak the name enough to sound like the the just enough, name. right? Uh, so, like when the Warrior came back to WCW uh, to fight Hulk Hogan, that was like the big oh my god rematch because Warrior beat Hogan in WrestleMania. I'll let you get that if you need to get no, that. No, fuck yeah. that. <laughs> I'd rather talk about wrestling than talk to some of my loser friends at four in the afternoon. Uh, just people palming. Hey, you're talking about roast battle. Can you get my reel to Jeff? No. Is there any chance that you could make fun of me in front of someone else so that I could be on television? Yeah. Hey, do you want to yeah. battle and uh, take a fall? I'll pay you. I had one person no. offer. No to fucking basically, way. Basically, I would take a dive and they would pay me like $500. If like, you're going to take a dive, 500 bucks ain't a fucking dive. 500 I mean, bucks is a fucking favor. Well, that's like, you know, it's like. You know, because they, you know, toward the end of my roast battle run, they would put me up against people they wanted to see get on the show. And they, the marketability of it was, hey, they just beat Earl. Right. So you take that person to Comedy Central and go, hey, they just beat Earl. So uh, I think that's where people got the idea of. I'm going to broker the deal. Earl will take a fall. Opening bid is 15K. I can't take a fall. I can't, I can't do it. 50K. But uh, 50K. I only, I only lose to women. I'm like right. D Martini. I don't need the money. <laughs> I got a spine. This Fuck, I envy you. I, that is. You can't buy me. Oh God, you can buy the shit out of me. I am so purchasable. Well, I'm not like Russell Peters, Rich, but like it's, <laughs> I mean, that's next level there. Right. I mean, you know, that's like. That's famous everywhere but America money. That's yeah. what that is. But he's so famous. He doesn't need to be famous in America. No, he doesn't. I mean, he's playing arenas soccer stadiums you see he's playing the london o2 arena that's like where uh, metallica just played like when you're playing arenas that metallica is playing and doing better numbers i don't think you care if you play the funny bone and jack gives a shit yeah yeah uh but let's get into comedy we let's lost, get into it we lost our uh unbeaten uh path here with my bitterness that was basically the first part of this podcast was a shoot video i love it Actually, well, you've always been like I said. You've always been a straight shooter. You've never not been that dude. But it doesn't pay off in this business. It just doesn't. You got like, no top ten podcast, man. That seems like a fucking pit, big. Oh, I love that. Ooh, that's got to burn some people. Ooh, it's got to make them feel awful. All of these fucking networks with their oh, yeah. hundred thousand dollar marketing departments, oh, yeah. and you're like, one. you know what I am? Uh, I'm Earl Skakel. I got a couple of mics and uh, talk to the guy from uh, Superman too. Yeah, sometimes does better. Top than fucking ten. All your podcasts put together. <laughs> no network, no help. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, it's the best. Rogue, <sighs> gone rogue. Dude. No publicist. Nothing. It doesn't. I, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but it doesn't make sense in terms of how you think everything is structured. It doesn't. Like, this business is all who you're represented by. Right. Who, uh, y- you know, if, who's making the calls for you. And, and, like, you know, you see people on late night TV on Conan or wherever, you know, it's not like 
they just walked into the comedy store at th- you know one thirty in the morning. Oh, this guy or girl is great. It's a manager made the call. Hey, right, you got to get my client on. Uh, you know, backroom brokerage. Yeah, but yeah. I mean it. I, but I also think in my case with this podcast, it's also I'm consistent. I release at least one a week. Um, this case, I, in this week, it's like three. Damn. Um, you, you know, you look at some people's podcasts, they release one, and then two months later, release another one, and, you know, they don't really promote I'm right it. here, Earl. I'm right here. You can just tell me. I understand. You got to be more consistent. I understand. I'm, 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 I agree with you. But you have access to, like, people, like, you, you know, you could get some fairly big names. Yeah. yeah well, the, the one I'm doing, quick question, we just had... Uh, yeah, we get some. We're getting some pretty big people on lately. Like, you know, I could see Fred Durst. Oh, this is a funny podcast. I messaged him, and the fucker never wrote me back. Well, that's tough, though. You know, you get a lot of that. Uh, I mean, I message. Uh, most people say no. Some people, you know, engage with me. Uh, you know, uh, I had the girl who played the principal in Britney Fox's girls' school video. Uh, but. Yeah. I Say love, no. I love that you're, I mean, and I'm a shining example of this. The obtusity of the guests that you get are. Well, are that's my niche. I, I know. That's is. what's awesome about it. Like Rogan's getting, um, you know, Paul Stanley, you know, uh, I'm getting Stanley Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, uh, you know, Paul from Equinox. You're getting Paul who works for Stanley Pest Control. To come yeah. On. Yeah. Well, but one of the first interviews I ever did was the the girl who worked the, the counter at Pink Dot. <laughs> Her name's Jenny Dang. She's a bass player. She's really good, actually. But like that was back in the day where I would literally be walking on the street and go, "You want to be on my podcast? You look interesting." You know, now you know two hundred and this. I think you'll be two twenty eight. Uh, it's like now I want people who you know like. I have more stuff in common. With, sure, like, sure, sure. The struggle of stand up and, you know. Music uh, videos from the 80s and yeah. bad guys from Superman movies. But back then it was like, who, it, you know, I would ask short of a homeless person, I would have anyone on this couch. That's amazing. Uh, so. You ever have the doorman of the Viper Room? Mussolini. I know him. Moose. Yeah. I would. Like, that's a guy who probably literally is not on Twitter. Uh, but that's a guy who, before the Viper Room, uh, worked at the Rainbow in the heyday of the Rainbow. Oh shit! And uh, you talk about stories, but well, yeah, that's why I'm saying like that dude must have stories. But I, I think it's also like that's one of those ones where you got to balance. Okay, it's going to be a great, fun podcast, but no one, it's not going to do the numbers of yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so it's like okay, I, do I get like someone from Last Comic Standing on, which is a show I don't really like. But, you know, it, it's, you know, they probably have 90,000 followers. Right. Or whatever. Or somebody from America's Got Talent or. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, at some point, you know, you got to like. I mean, yeah, you want interesting people on, but it's like if they have no social media presence, it's hard to promote it. Sure. I mean, I have a fair social media present, but it's not like great. You know, just under 10,000 on Twitter. And I think I have like 6,500 on Instagram. I, uh, it's the game. It is the game. And I keep, I'm always on the verge of quitting it. The, the social media aspect of it. Oh, I, I wouldn't two seconds. In two seconds, I would quit if I didn't have this podcast. 
Yeah. I mean, this week especially, I, I get so many DMs and pictures from Roast Battle. Hey, I mean, I had actually, well, I won't say who, but someone's brother who was battling on Tuesday night going, hey, when are you battling tonight? Like, they just assumed I was battling. And they're sending me pictures, and it's making me angry. And and then, uh, you know, like tomorrow night, there's a battle. I'm sure tomorrow I'll get messages all day. Pictures, uh, you know, last night was, uh, you know, rough because of a few people in particular that were battling that was like, oh, they should have been battling you. It would have been better or whatever. And it's like, you know, two people who were battling, uh, I won't say when, asked me for help, you know, and they're sending me their jokes. And like, I would, if I did not have this podcast, I would be, I wouldn't have, I'd, I'd delete everything. I just want to do my stand up. Yeah. I, I, that's the world I dream of. And I, I don't know. Part of me is maybe, part of me is maybe holding on to the little meager following I have and thinking like, Oh, well here, you know, I built this. I don't want to lose it. And then I'm like, it, it fucking makes me sad and depressed and I'm living my life for other people. What's the fucking point? Well, I mean, I took a meeting with a pretty big manager, like probably a month and a half ago. First thing he did was he opened up his phone and said, what's your Twitter? And looked at how many followers I had. Instagram, how many do you got on there? And, and the whole meeting was basically based on, you know, this is what we got to do. If I were to work with you, you have to do this for Instagram. There's a person I work with who can get you more followers. And, and it, it, we probably were 40 minutes into the meeting before he said, uh, you know, what are your stand-up goals? <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ. What are your... Uh, you know, for someone with a podcast that's doing as well as yours is, you should have, you know, this amount of followers on Instagram and Twitter. And, and, and it was just like, what about like, you know, stand up? Right. Like, what about the cartoon? Like, yeah, what, what about you know? the paychecks? I don't give a shit about followers. I give a shit about dollars. Yeah. I mean, they, but I was begging the guy. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm on an adult swim cartoon. That's where the money, right. That's where we do it. Like, like I'm a proven commodity on the, the only cartoon network, you know, on a popular show. It's like, how about voiceover stuff? And and it was like, well, you only have 6,500 followers on Instagram. Jesus and, Christ. You know, we need you to get at least 100,000 before we'd seriously consider working with you. Would you be willing to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, really? I'm, I'm telling you I'm on a fucking cartoon. But even... That was like, well, the guy who's cartooning this, Tyler, the creator, he has 4 million followers on Twitter, literally right. 4 million. And I'm sure it's the same on Instagram. And it's like, well, I, I, I don't know how to get uh, that many uh, within the next week. That are real people. Yeah. yeah. You throw somebody a bunch of cash and then you got a bunch of click bots. But well, I did that on MySpace. Did you? I, oh, yeah, absolutely. I didn't know any better. I just thought I just want to have numbers. So I think on MySpace, I peaked out at like 50,000 followers, which was a lot back then. Yeah. Like Dane Cook, I think had like three million or something. So if you had anywhere from twenty-five to a hundred thousand, you know, you were like, oh wow. But you know, most of them were bots. I get looking back now, it was so bad. I literally went back, and it took me two weeks uh, and deleted every bot. I mean, it literally took me two weeks, probably three to four hours a day, and I paid for all these. That's amazing. Because on MySpace, you couldn't delete them all. Like, you had to do it individually. It took you two weeks to delete something you paid for. 
Oh yeah, it was cr- insanity. I literally spent. I I I think I because I was very regiment. I'm still am regimented, but I would carve out from two to six every day. I would just individually delete the bots, and it took me two full weeks. Wow, seven days, fourteen days in a row. Um, what that feel like when it was done? Was it? I was feel great. Like, it, it was, was kind of like this is crazy. Why can't I just hit <laughs> delete all? I think yeah. it's because I think uh, I forget if it's messenger or Twitter or Instagram, there is one where you can just hit delete all Ugh. and it's like one, you know, you click the ones you don't want. And then there's the delete all the clicked uh, selections. But MySpace was for whatever reason, you had to individually do it. So, and then I got down to, I think like 6,000. I mean, that's how many fake profiles I had. Cause it's that back then and you, MySpace you ha- yeah. was that for was- getting the, uh, people to your shows. Yes, absolutely. So I had all these fucking followers, and I'm like, no one's coming to my shows, which probably back then was a good thing. <laughs> this is like 2006. You've I mean. always been funny, though, man. You were always like when I first met you. All right, so well, yeah, where did we first meet? We uh, first met at Ireland's 32, okay. uh, legendary open mic. Yeah, you were uh, you were big into the hockey jerseys at the time. Yes. Uh, you had long hair, long curly, I believe you call it Kenny G hair. Yes. Um, uh, and I remember uh, a guy named Ari David pointed you out to me and said, that guy fucking works harder than anybody else you're going to meet. And they right. ju- he just talked about how you were just, you know, you'd get five, ten sets in a night sometimes. Oh, and the, I would say the first five years, I probably would get up in, in a seven-day time period 20 times. So, you know, two to three sets a night, and then, you know. But that you, translates to other open micers as five to ten. You know, everything becomes a legend after a while. You know, the truth doesn't matter. The myth matters. Oh, yeah. I mean, like five, uh, I would say the first five or six years, I probably, at the end of year six, I had the experience level of someone who'd done it 15 years. For sure. Uh, so, and not that just doing it makes you better, but like, uh, but then as you get better, you're like, I can't do this room anymore. No, it's, it's, I can't. Yeah, I I I hit that wall. So I I uh, we met at Ireland's thirty two, and then we'd also do uh, the Sportsman's Lodge a lot. The remember the the Jimmy and Joey showy on the patio of the stars at Sportsman's Lodge, which is uh, one of the great moments uh, of my early years was. Uh, Something that happened with you. I won't say the comic's name because he's oh, shit. he's deceased. So it's like you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I forgot about this until you started. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I don't like in, in full disclosure. I was uh, maybe friends is a strong word, but pretty good acquaintances with this dude. So I, I never, uh, you know, I, I had met this uh, the deceased comic at Canoga Bowl. Sure. And I remember one night uh, he asked me if I had a manager, and this was like 2003. I'm like, are you out of mind? <laughs> Do you have a fucking manager? No. Uh, and he brought someone, uh, the guy who uh, he managed Drew Carey. Oh, okay. I forget. Rick. It was it, like Messina, something Messina. Oh, uh, Messina something. Yeah. Uh, like they were huge. They might still be big, but like, uh, and he brought him like the next week. Like I, I was like, wow, this guy's like, and nothing really happened uh, with this person. But uh, like, I was like, wow, this guy's legit. And then one night at the, um, 
Sportsman's Lodge, which was an outdoor patio just <laughs> off of Ventura Boulevard. I mean, you could hit magic there some nights, but you most could. nights you didn't. Most nights you got heckled by a bus. Yeah, there was. I mean, the bus stop was literally <laughs> right by the stage. <laughs> the stage, the floor. Right. There yeah. was no stage. Yeah, there was. There no was stage. literally uh, the 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 bus bench yeah. was maybe. 50 feet from the microphone and uh on hot summer nights poisonous caterpillars would fall from the canopy yeah i mean this was it was just just the dream it was the dream something out of the movie swingers (laughs) you know just no way people don't go through that do they and so there's uh the deceased comic is on uh so you're saying on stage is uh doing uh, a joke that let's just say wasn't theirs (laughs) And you stood up in the middle of the punchline, I believe, or maybe it was right after, and said, that's my dad's joke. Yeah. And there was a little bit of awkwardness, and the deceased comic said, well, who's your dad? No, he said, what are you, Blake Clark's kid? Oh, okay. And by name, he names my dad. And I went, yeah? And he goes, that's not his joke. I'm like, then how'd you know who I was talking about? Right. And then it uh, it escalated from there, if I remember correctly. It was the best, like, uh, you know, a lot of people look at the Mencia Rogan things, but, you know, I wish someone was filming it just to be <laughs> like, only in L.A. could you steal someone's joke and there are kids in the crowd <laughs> waiting to go on after you. <laughs> and I miss those days. Like, I miss, like... Like the, the, you know, you don't like, you know, I, I got a spot at the comedy store tonight at 1245. Nothing wacky is going to happen like that. Like you do your set, you know, you'll hang out for a bit, maybe watch one of your friends and then leave. But nothing like that's going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, you know, that was like, oh, because I didn't know who your dad was. Right. You know, and then I looked. I'd never talked about it before either. That I think it was the first time that I like kind of publicly declared that my father was also a comic. Well, it's tough because he's yeah. a legendary comic. Like that's kind of you to say. I, I don't know. I don't know if he or I agree with that. But well, uh, actor yeah. slash comic, like he really crossed over into both fields pretty well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better than most. Uh, so it, it's kind of like I never really liked talking about my uh, aunt being Ethel Kennedy. Uh, you know, just because it's like, I want to be known as Earl Skakel, the comic. Right, exactly. You know, and I'm sure it's even worse in your case because your dad was already established in the field you're trying to be established. Right, right. And even if you got anything, it would be like, well, his dad probably made a call to Adam Sandler. Yeah, that it is funny how much that is assumed. And then if you'd also would look at where I am in my career, no one's making any calls. This is all 100% me... Uh, me trying it on my own so yeah, you're like dad make some calls yeah I, I it got to that point uh, where i was like you know i was trying to do this on my own i i'll, I'll take the phone call now well uh, i mean what i mean i at some points thought who who does my aunt ethel know and she knows everybody like and she gets her calls accepted like if you're the head of icm or whoever and you got uh, ethel kennedy on line two they're you pick up. up the phone sure but i never have you know and she probably would but you know so that's how you're in the top 10 yeah ethel kennedy (laughs) my ruse has been shattered it's not putting out an episode every week editing it 
Getting guests on. Nope. You know, uh, it's, uh, yeah, Ethel Kennedy. Yep. It was Skull and Bones. Finally. Uh, the inappropriate Earl server is actually located at Bohemian Grove. Uh, I just think it's big of you to finally admit it, Earl, because we've all known for a while. Oh, I wish I could hack into <laughs> iTunes. Yeah, I'm really going to hack into iTunes to be number 13. <laughs> Yeah, why wouldn't idiot. you be number one? Well, that would be too obvious. No one's supplanting Rogan. He's just, he's just, too, he's like the Wayne Gretzky of podcasters. It's just no one. We're all battling for number two. Sure. <laughs> and that's not me kissing Joe's ass. That's just reality. I'm sure Joe doesn't listen to this, but, uh, you know, it's, it's all a fight. You know, one Saturday morning, I got a whole bunch of messages because I was number two for like four hours. And I was good with that. That's sweet. I mean, I think I've hit like in the 80s on the charts. But that's huge. Yeah. Like being in the top 100 is... is It's fucking awesome. When you consider there's probably... Uh, I don't know if they rank after 200, but there's probably 10,000 podcasts. Oh. Just that in, are ranked. Just in Los Angeles. Or that are... Uh, Oh, eligible eligible yeah 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 to yeah, be yeah. ranked sure i don't know if they go like number 201 like i only see i think i've only seen like the top 200 yeah 200 and that's if you're you know obsessively checking it on your phone you know on, online you can only check it up to 100 on on your phone you can go up to 200 i get people uh updating me i really don't check a lot you know every now and then i'll be like oh, it's sunday afternoon well, yeah how's things working out sure uh, but i have fans who screenshot like if i'm really high up uh you know my fans are the best they're small but uh they can't be small if you're top 10 well i mean i think you get a lot you know the great thing about itunes is like you'll get fans of say rogan's and, and then uh you know like joe's mentioned me a few times on his podcast it's all roast battle related and people, Oh, let me look up Earl Skakel on iTunes. Uh, so, I mean, that helps. And I do a lot of people's podcasts. Yeah. Like I've probably in the last month done 10 people's podcasts and it helps because you get their fans. Right. Hopefully you get some of my fans. Oh my God. I'll take them all. And then I'll go on yours and, and, and maybe I get, you know, it's like, I you used absolutely to, should come on, on one or all of mine. I mean, I'm yeah. not the most knowledgeable about Limp Biscuit, but, but if you like them, that's perfect. I like, I don't, yeah. I, again, I lost a bet. We put it out as a joke, as an April fool's joke. And people were like, and I said, if this charts, I'll keep doing it. And it charted. So we had, we have to keep doing it. Well, I just like bands like that. Uh, I want to be entertained. I don't want to hear about the rainforest. I don't want to hear about 9-11 conspiracies. I don't want to hear about Trump or Obama or, you know, uh, Greenpeace. Uh, I want to be, I want, Limp Biscuit makes me laugh. Like, I, I, the part, and now listen to what I'm about to say. Okay. Listen. All right. The wigger shtick, I think, is hilarious. I mean, you can't get any whiter than Fred Durst, and he's doing the rapping and the, you know, the wacky dancing and the videos. He's in the Rolls Royce. I, that's funny to me. Can I tell you my favorite thing about Fred Durst? Please. He got kicked out of the Navy for skateboarding. I had no. I did not know that. <laughs> I feel like Ed McMahon. I did not know I that. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite thing about him. That I like to imagine he was doing some like ollie trick on a on an aircraft carrier, and they're like, uh, on, you know, dishonorable discharge. You know, and so that's what started Limp Biscuit. He got kicked out of the Navy and was like, "Well, I need to make money. I guess I'll tattoo people and rap." But I, 
I like the guitar player, Wes Borland. Wes Borland is an interesting and very odd man. But I like characters like that. Like one of my favorite guitar players is Buckethead. Buckethead is a man of, of legend and myth. But he's such a good guitar player. He's such a good guitar player. But then there's the like theory that Buckethead's more than one person. I mean, I don't think too many people can play what he plays, but it's possible. I just enjoy, uh, like, I look at Buckethead and I'm entertained. Like, the guy's wearing a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket. And, and has video game buttons on his guitar. Yeah, I, I think that's funny. Like he may, I'd rather look at that than say Ingve Malmsteen playing a million notes a minute. Who's very good, but unleash the fucking furies. (laughs) But I'd rather like, I want to be entertained. It's like why I like Kiss. Kiss is entertaining to me. You know, I don't want to listen to, you know, like Jeff Beck, who's amazing. Jeff Beck is amazing, but. it's like okay you just want to have a good time i need bombs i need explosions i need lasers i need levitating drum kits i need so are you a motley crew guy then because they they seem to check all of those boxes i went to their last concert uh in uh was their second to last show in anaheim i won't say who i was with but uh if you were at the fonda theater last night you might have seen them but uh i got you um i i i can read between those lines yeah uh, well, Stevie Wonder could read between them. <laughs> but uh, it, it was an entertaining concert. Like, uh, the, But I think the most memorable part, other than what I paid for those tickets, was uh, at one point uh, someone drops confetti on the crowd, and then Nikki Six, who had a canister on the side of his base, is shooting fire over the crowd oh, with no. confetti. No, 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 no like a lot of confetti it's like who who drummed up this sketch like do you guys ever hear a great white uh not in a positive way but it was insane like i mean just but they that's i was entertained is that the one where uh tommy lee got stuck on his roller coaster yeah, drum kit? he was stuck above <laughs> us and so like the drums for like a while right oh it was great <laughs> I, their last show ever was at staples but uh, this was their last show at the Honda Center. That's amazing. Uh, so second to last show overall. And just like we were, I sat in the front row because I was like, okay, you know, I never really go. Because there weren't that many people. It, no, it was packed. Was it? Oh my God, it was packed. And I was like, you know, I've never really sat front row center. So I, I think I went on StubHub or wherever. It might have even been Ticketmaster. And I just, I want front row center. So it was $1,000 a ticket. What? And then for another 500, you can meet Alice Cooper, who was the opening act. Oh, I just thought they were just randomly throwing in other shock rockers. No, no. He was uh, the, the, he was the opening act. So I thought, you know, not many people are going to be able to afford that. So I figured, well, you know, if I pay for 500 for me and the girl, you know, we'll, we'll pretty much be able to talk to Alice Cooper by ourselves. And that's pretty much what happened. Like, so Alice Cooper plays, and then we were told you go backstage. And I'm like, well, I don't want to miss the beginning of Motley Crue, but, you know, Hopefully there won't be that many people. You're like I'll go talk to Vince for a little bit. It'll be fine. Yeah, did someone? Delayed? That's his real name, right, Vince? Uh, Vince Fur <laughs> Ferner or Furier. Uh, so sure enough, where was like seven people back there, and uh, you know we were the last two people. So uh, the girl went, and, and he actually really liked her because she's a fan of his older stuff. Oh shit! Uh, whereas I'm a fan of the like the '80s uh, butt rock trash. Yeah, tra- when he had uh, actually like Constrictor. 
uh, oh. when he had Kane Roberts on guitar, who was like Rambo. He was the like the oh yeah, and he had the guitar that looked like a gun. Yeah, the uh, ran, uh, I guess he called it the Rambo guitar. I think that dude worked out at my old gym in Northridge because yeah, his, his photos. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, but he, that's a dude, you talk about not getting credit because of how he looked. Uh, he was a great guitar player. Yeah. But, you know, he just looked ridiculous. But then he went with a Rambo shtick. So people aren't going to take you seriously. Yeah. I mean, he, he's like, but as a guitar player, he could do anything. Uh, so we, we go back there and, uh, you, you know, he's talking to the girl I was with. And then I was the last guy. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Cooper, it's an honor to meet you for 500 bucks. And he, he didn't really get it. <laughs> and then, you know, he talked to me for a few minutes. I asked him about Desmond Child, you know, who wrote a lot of songs with him. Right. So, uh, you know, it was, it was fun. But it was a very entertaining show. I mean. I, it's interesting. that I would have asked him about Coopersville, which was his hot dog place in Arizona. Well, I went to Cooperstown. Cooperstown. Sorry. That's the name of the place. Uh, to see Stephen Piercy and uh, Vince Neal. They would do concerts there, too. At the hot dog baseball place? Yeah. Cooper, well, there it might have been Coop, Cooperstown was the restaurant, right? Yeah, uh, and that's they had a stage and like. But I thought it was like a baseball theme to the whole thing, right? Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember, but that's uh, where if you can grab that picture right there, yeah, that is the picture with me and Stephen oh, Piercy. Oh shit! At show it to the fans. Uh, oh, so sorry. No, it's all good. That's me and Steven Piercy at Coopersville. That's back in my Billy Idol days. Yeah, you do have some frosted tips going on. Oh, I do. It was full blonde back then. That's when you're like, I'm done with the long hair. I guess I'll be Dexter Holland from uh, The Offspring. In chat right now, speaking of longtime comedy comrades, the great Riley Newton. Did you know Riley? I don't think I know Riley. Riley was the best. One of the funniest girls I know. We bombed uh, together once at the uh, San Dimas homebrew coffee in San Dimas, where someone had a good idea to have me and Riley play in front of primarily kids. Oh, fun. Which uh, Riley was pretty dark, and I was very dark back then, humor-wise. Uh, so it's, it warms my heart to see Riley Newton, uh, one of the funniest people I know still. Uh, but what, what was the pressure like for you to get into stand up knowing who your, your dad was? Was it like, Oh, I ran from it for a long time. I, but did you want to change your last name? It'd be like, you know, uh, Travis I Jackson. I didn't, I, I thought it was different and like Clark isn't that common of an, I mean, isn't that uh unique of a name, you know, it wasn't that odd to me that I didn't feel like that, but I ran from comedy for a long time. I went to school to be a, a serious dramatic actor. Like that's what I thought. My dad does comedy, but I emote like that right. was my whole thing. And then everything I did, they were like, dude, it was really funny when you did that scene from Oedipus where like you had sex with your mom, you were hilarious. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm funny. So then I kind of would kept putting my foot into, and I got a late start into doing stand up. I didn't start stand up until I was in my, uh, f- until I was 30. That's the same age. I yeah. Know. Which is people don't get it. This is a young man's or woman's game. I mean, uh, you know, I, I hate to bring up the show, but if you, even if you look at roast battle, like yeah, almost everybody there is under 30, they're 25, 27. Most of the people yeah. on this current season are young. Yeah. Um, outside of the Sklar brothers. And uh, I don't know if you've faced this, but I was repeatedly told they're like, Oh, that's so cool that you're starting comedy at that age. You know, you'll never make it, you know, you'll never succeed because you're not the right age. 
I mean, uh, I mean, I I haven't been told that directly. But I've been told that directly so many times that I, I'm I don't even find it offensive anymore. But I mean, it's definitely been hinted, you know. Like, uh, I mean, I had a guy uh, a couple months ago, maybe, and he works for a big agency, like the, the three lettered uh, kind. He's like, dude, we could sign you right now, or all you'd be the funniest guy on our roster, but I'd have maybe a ten year career out of you. Uh, you know, because in 10 years, you're going to be 59. And what can I do with a 59-year-old? And I get what he was saying, but it's like, dude, make money on me for the next 10 years. Also, too, I think it's short-sighted, you know, maybe stand up. Even then, I'd say stand up. I'd, I just don't agree with that assessment. I don't agree with the assessment that there is an expiration date and an ideal starting point. I think if you're passionate and you give a shit and you're willing to tough out this stuff, anybody who sticks with comedy after the first time they bombed, in our first year that they've bombed where they've just gone on stage and sucked a dick over and over and over to the point where you go, I don't even know why I do this anymore. I think that's the person who wants to be doing comedy and isn't trying to do it to get attention. Which to me is funny. It's funny. It's like, I agree. You know, it's like, who cares if someone's 20, 30, 40 or 50, I want the funniest one out of the four. Sure. Uh, but it just doesn't work like that. Like, you know, it just doesn't, um, you know, which there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, but I think with the advent of like podcasts and yep. YouTube uh, mm -hmm. and uh, other ways to branch out on your own Instagram videos. Uh, do you do those? I, I mean, I do it almost mockingly when I'm walking my dog thinking, God, how you boring. do live stuff here and there. I see you walk your dog. Yeah. But I mean, how those. boring must that be to, you know, have some. You know, comic walking his dog at three in the morning. I mean, ages ago, you used to, uh, you just remembered this. You'd do yourself like on the elliptical for an hour. Yeah, just I'm mocking. <laughs> you know, uh, just a fuck you to, you know, these Instagram twats who have, you know, millions of followers and are getting production deals who are horribly untalented, but they'll get picked for the gig a hundred times over you and me. Cause they got the numbers, right? But they're not funny. Like it's crazy, but you know, it's the business. Uh, you know, I can't change the fact that I'm 49. Oh, uh, you could lie. Well, I look, I mean, but even uh, although I look and you look well-preserved, I, I, I could probably pass for 40, you know, 40 ish. But even then, that's old. Sure. I did have a guy the other day. Uh, we were talking about something, and, and I was like, oh, I used to go to that place in the 90s. And he went, wait, how fucking old are you? I went, I don't know. How old do you think I am? And he said, 26. And I went, I don't know if you're trying to fuck me or not, but that's the nicest thing anyone said to me all year. Well, I mean, I, I guess it pays to look younger than you are, but like... Once people find out your actual age, it's like, ooh. You know, uh, but, you know, it, it's also in one sense never been easier to make it on your own. Like, I don't have any representation. Me either. Not now. No. <laughs> I did for a while. I did for a bit. And how did it work for you? It worked great for a bit. And then, uh, and then the guy who represented me decided to retire and hand me off to somebody I'd never met before. And then they didn't send me out for shit for like two years. And then they wrote me and they're like, we don't hear from you very often. Are you still interested in being repped by us? And I went, you rep me. I haven't had an audition in two years. That's not representation. Right. 
Well, I mean, you know, the agents and managers are a whole different, uh, you know, level of frustration. You sure. Know, uh, but my God, would I want somebody to be the heavy and do the business shit? I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. Well, you know, basically, I think their purpose is, you know, and this is when I was going over, I forget with who, uh, my frustration with, you know, how I was treated on season one of Roast Battle, where I, I think I was the only one with no representation. So I was given the toughest matches. And this is, a, you know, it's a small part of the comedy world roast battle, but it, right. it, I think it's the perfect example of, uh, you know, when you don't have anyone helping you, how you can get fucked. And it was like, okay, we'll put her all up against Jimmy Carr. You know, if he beats him, it's a great underdog story. If not, we don't burn a bridge, you know. And while other people were getting, like, berries to battle like they had to walk the retarded kid to first base yeah 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 yeah. Uh, there were some that i was like wait that's what you're putting on tv well but i mean like my bracket clearly was it bordered on unfair like it was like wait a minute so my my first opponent is uh jesse joyce who's like their number one roast writer and right. like he's just amazing at roast i mean even like jason reitman came out to me and you know you respect his opinion he's like dude i love you bro but he's gonna kill you he's like why, why do you say that he's right. like, well, he's their number one roast rider who do you think they want to win and i'm like oh fuck uh whereas if i had a manager maybe i get someone else you know and then it, when i beat uh when i won that battle in the uh fashion i did i I saw my bracket in Montreal. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm being punished. Because I was given the two toughest guys in my bracket. Like, not on my side, but in my bracket. I'm like, fuck, that's not very fair. Then I beat both of them. And then, you know, I had to face Saratiana and K. Trevor Wilson, where other people were getting, like, Ralphie May. Right. You know, I love Ralphie. Like, Ralphie's my homie, but he's not a good roaster. It's like, why didn't I get Ralphie? Like how can i ask how was montreal for you that year it wasn't fun at all to be honest it was very alienating right did it feel well for i me, felt very isolated during it and it was the only time i ever got to go well i had gone up there the year before when we did uh what was it called jeff ross roast masters presents they couldn't oh, call it roast battle right 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 for, you know i i'm still not sure like what was going on you know back when there was some problems uh you know that was so rough i almost left after the first night because that's when me and whitney rice were the house basically house racist right we were just supposed to say wacky shit. right i remember i remember the evolution of how that came about I but this is in montreal so it's right. like they that don't know who that we are yeah they don't and that doesn't and like yeah. we weren't really properly introduced as being it was someone's idea, and I really don't remember who, because I, I would say it. Uh, it was someone's idea. Dude, just you two are just going to come off like your wacky audience members. Like, no one's going to, like, it, it, it'll work. And I'm like, well, how's it going to work? We're sitting at a table with a spotlight on us <laughs> with two microphones. That's You don't think the audience is going to, like, oh. Realize that you're part of it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had bombed the first night horribly, and, and Whitney saved the, the night because she's very funny. Um, and then I was looking at flights to go home. 
I was like, fuck this, man. I'm not bombing for the next four nights in front of every agency in town. Right. And then Jason Ryman talked me into, you know, staying. He's like, dude, just do what you do in the belly room. Just don't have any fear and and go nuts. So the second night, I was like out of my mind. I was, you know, talking about all the filthy Jews in the room and like, you know, Montreal's great. There's no black people here. Well, it's PK Subban, but he just got traded. So don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, and they lo- they were loving it. Like I had an ICMA agent hand me a card and say hey i'm one of those filthy jews call me (laughs) but in uh season two it was which was season one on tv yeah 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 yeah. uh i was told basically if you lose you're going home tomorrow at eight in the morning like there's no you're not gonna like not gonna hang out on the yeah you don't get to stay the rest of the week which i thought well i probably like if you guys had any like uh like, hey, Earl did help get us here. Like, right. Even if he loses to Jimmy, let him be here. Yeah. Let him experience the whatever. So I knew that, like, you know, I had to get through the first two rounds or I would be gone home the next morning. And, and then other people had lost and they got to stay the whole week. Right. I'm like, well, that, I that mean, it's fucking weird. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't think I've ever burned a bridge with anyone. Like, uh, so it was just still puzzling to me. Like, why am I being like treated like the worst? So I didn't leave my hotel room and, and unless it was to go to roast battle. Like I didn't go out, you know, and see the sights or chase pussy or, or you know, whatever. Well, I didn't either, but that's because I'm a, a agoraphobic and married. So that, that kind of limits faithful. my options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what show were you up there for? I was up there with my buddy Greg uh, Barrett. He was doing a, a, a one-man show with two people, and I was the second man oh, on okay. the one-man show. And so I... I <laughs> You guys, Roast Battle was like the fucking festival. That oh. was what everybody wanted to see. It was and that amazing. Was, and it was right outside the hotel. So everybody in, at JFL kind of stays at this, if their performers stay at this one hotel. And then you literally walk out and there's the theater like right there. Our shit was like down the street and around the way and then up a corner and then around the way. And then there was a candy store with an ET in the fucking window. And it was down the street from that. Hard as fuck to find. We did fine. We got through it. We had a good time. But you guys, I mean, we tried to come in to watch one night because I ran into you after one of the battles one night and we kind of just talked in the street. Like that was the weird thing about it is that you're in another country and you're in another city, but all of it feels like it's the back lot of some Universal Studios tour. <laughs> like none of it seems like it's a real place. Because you've got that music shit that's happening <laughs> yeah. in the the uh, the middle part of the street. Yeah, uh, in the it's like a carnival. Uh, but like it, it start. I think it hit me. Like when I beat Tom Ballard in the first round, and he's like this legendary Australian comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he was killing people in the untelevised season. Like he was murdering people. Like he's. Like he's a great comic, but his roasting is very, very good. Um, and I'm like, well, that's kind of a first round. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, and then I was like, geez, even if I beat him, I got to go up most likely against Jimmy, right? Because Jimmy was battling my friend Christy, um, and he was kind of. Well, I thought she almost beat him, to be honest. And it just goes to show you the weirdness of television, because uh, all the comics back home and here. Uh, we're like, uh, wow, Jimmy killed that girl. And I'm like, I was in the room. She almost won. Like, you know, uh, but then I was like, geez, even if I beat Tom, I'm probably going to get Jimmy and there's no way they want me to win that. 
Uh, so it really was kind of like, you're kind of sad that you're like going through all this, like, uh, like, why is everyone against me? Right. I helped build this fucking show. That's undeniable. So, you know, and then when I beat Jimmy, I could, I could just, you know, I, I, I'll never forget going back up in the green room and, and like a lot of the TV execs were like, fuck. And it was like, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? Take a dive? Do you want to show or do you want to fucking, yeah. do you I mean, want to fix? You want like, to see yeah. Jimmy in the finals? I get it. He's a huge comic and he's a great dude. Like he's an awesome guy. Yeah. I, we're I, friends. I only know him in passing and he's always been very kind. I mean, we're, fr I mean, we're not like homies, but like we're very friendly with each other, but you know, it's like give him, you know, an easier bracket, like, you know, and, and here, well, I'll face him in the finals. Uh, but you know, I, for whatever reason, so, but I could tell like, that's why I wasn't even that excited getting into the the, the live finale because I was like, I knew I'd burn bridges with whoever, you know. How do you burn bridges for doing what you're fucking there to do? Because I think that they, I mean, one, I don't know if I was ever wanted on the show in the first place uh, because, uh, you know, when I beat their number one roast rider pretty handily, that had to be embarrassing to them. Like, I remember because I was in the belly room, uh, the road to roast battle match okay. I had, and it was a big, you know, it was a big deal. Like, you know, it was, it was packed. You know, there's the judges that night were Joe Rogan, uh, Dane Cook, obviously Jeff mm -hmm. and Jimmy Kimmel, and uh, they saved our battle for last. So, uh, you know, I think the theory was probably, well, Earl will make it fun. Jesse will kill him because he's a better writer. And then, you know, it, we can kind of validate Jesse as, hey, he just beat Earl. And uh, it didn't quite work out like that. But And he is a better writer than I am. Like, he okay, he but, came to the stage that night with literally nine pages of jokes. I came with four in my head. I know about as much about how to be a good battler as this couch i've never done it i've watched it but i've never done it well, so you'll probably win it then but it's no different than any other kind of battle never underestimate the person who wants it more well i knew i had to kill him right to even have a a chance at uh going so i i just had great strategy i mean i'm there's many better roast riders than me they're just it's just not my sense of humor People I remember you is. telling me that literally in the streets of Montreal. And I remember sitting there looking at you being like, but you're here. Like, it, that's the thing that I think is. But I mean, like, I look at like that Montreal experiences like CC DeVille from Poison is a <laughs> classically trained guitar player. But like he's like grew up playing essentially Beethoven and Bach on the guitar. Right. But, but he talks like this, so it's got to be in poison. Oh, That's the only way you can do best. it. I've met him once at he's Mel's. Amazing. He's the fucking best. I said, hey, I loved your cover of We're an American Band. Uh, and he's like, how'd you get it? It's not out yet. I'm like, um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I illegally downloaded it. And I went to give him a dollar just to be like, hey. Right. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it, dude. That's how I get all my music, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, I'm sure at some point he sat there in his early 20s or mid 20s going, uh, there's no money in playing uh, Beethoven's Fifth on, no. on an acoustic guitar in Seattle. So call me CC. Give me yeah. a, give me a, uh, dyed his hair blonde. Yeah. Started playing a pink, uh, 
you know, Gibson. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now he's a multimillionaire. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt with Roast Battle. Like, it's not my sense of humor. I'm not really comfortable making fun of someone, especially someone like Jesse, who I didn't know. Like, I'd never really met him. If I'm getting this correct, you're saying that... Uh, I sold out. Roast Battle is the poison of comedy. What kind of is? <laughs> I mean, it's a. No, uh, I, 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 I hear you. It's a. Uh, you know, you're you're writing jokes you'll never use again. Yeah, that's. It's a big ask to do that. I think because you are writing the and it, what I don't know if a lot of people know this about how people test out the jokes. I don't know so much for the show, but when it, the show is ongoing, you know, just the regular live show in town, a lot of these comics go around and like run all of these roast jokes at open mics to see what people's reactions are. And a lot of times you're hearing jokes about like, I don't know who the fuck that is. I don't know what you're talking about. And you're, you're writing these, this, you know, four minute set that you're only going to do once. Why? I only tested one battle, uh, in public. It's cause everyone knew who I was battling. Uh, we actually went to this room together. The person I was battling, cause everyone knew us. So you could get an odd, uh, a, an honest reaction of what would work. And I never tested out my jokes against Jimmy Carr, Tom Ballard, or uh, Sarah, or well, with Sarah and, and Kay Trevor, I didn't have time. Like, so, uh, but Montreal was not that fun for me. Montreal was really uh, too much pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and it's a lot of there. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, I guess, to use your analogy earlier, it's kind of like pro wrestling. A lot of the winners have already been established. This person's going to come away with a deal. This person's going to come away being the next big thing. And we've decided that. And this festival is just for show. What's my feeling? I mean, I like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, it, it's, I don't think anyone goes up there unknown and comes back to LA or New York or wherever they're from uh, a huge, uh, oh my God, who is this person? I mean, even the new faces are very, uh, known commodities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's not like I think. And you and I could never be a new face. We're not. We're too old. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's hard to you know pitch yourself as a new face when you've been doing stand up twenty years, right? Um, but you know, I also don't know if it means what it used to be. I mean, like I've known plenty of people who got new faces. Um, nothing ever happened for them, right? You know, but there's been some of it that it has happened. So right. it's. Uh, you know, nothing I think is what it used to be. No. And, uh, everybody who clings to it and says that it is still something is just sticking with the old guard. I mean, I would love to get new faces. If they call me for this year, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, I, think, I just want I think stage it, time. I think it happened. I think, we're yeah, doing. no, it's yeah, happening yeah, this yeah. week. I, I think it's happening as we're speaking, but I mean, I would love, I mean, I would still do it, but you know, I think now the thing to get on is like Rogan. Like that's like, sure. I'd rather do that than Conan. Uh, because it's Conan, you're on it once, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, that night it's maybe played. they'll have you back in two years, or maybe they won't. Yeah, uh, but Rogan, it's uh, it's played a lot that day. It's on YouTube, right? Uh, it's run constantly. I mean, you have to look for a Conan set, right? You know, if like if you want to watch, <laughs> it's true. But I mean, or any, uh, if you want to watch your friend on Conan and, and you missed it that night, you got to dig for it. Well, you just check their feed the following morning. They they write it for you. That's usually how I do it. Um, but like Rogan's just so out there. I also feel like too. Speaking of talk shows, and and look, if somebody wants to put me on late night TV, I will one hundred percent accept it any day of the week. 
but I don't watch those shows anymore. I watch my friends clips when they show up and I'm happy for my friends when they get that, but I don't sit. That's not what I ingest as content anymore. I don't sit down and watch a 90 minute show. Well, there's just too much, you know, like back when your dad was like, you know, in his heyday, you know, there was like the tonight show. That's it. Well, okay. Um, I rarely like to tell other people's stories, but this is one of my favorite stories. I've heard my dad tell a bunch and, um, I'll try and, do it a little bit of general. I'll, I'll try and, and tell it as accurately as I remember. It. But this is the perfect time to cut off the Facebook live feed. If you want to hear this story, you're going to have to listen to the rest of this on iTunes when it comes out tomorrow. And you'll have to rate and review the show. So uh, for the Facebook live freakers, wh- where are you on uh, Instagram and Twitter? I'm at Mr. Travis Clark, MR Travis Clark on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So start telling the story and then I'm going to like cut it off halfway through. So my dad uh, worked the door at the comedy store. He was the doorman for, I don't know, probably three or four years. So uh, that was his square job while he was doing stand up. Things started working out for him. He started touring more, started doing more things, but he was still the doorman. He gets to go and be uh, a guest on the tonight show with Johnny Carson goes does i think his first maybe it was his second set i think it was his second time my dad ended up doing the tonight show like eight times it was his second time on carson carson i remember i remember my dad telling me this carson spun around in his chair during my dad's set because he laughed so hard and it like just made my dad made my dad's day uh, made my dad's life like he still talks about it the next night, so let's say that was a Wednesday night. Thursday night, my dad is back at the uh, comedy store working the door. Someone comes in and they go, uh, yeah, uh, and my dad comes up to me and goes, how many in your party? And they go, that's, that's funny, man. We, 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 saw you on, uh, we saw you on Carson last night. He goes, yeah, that was last night. Tonight, how many in your party? So even then, when that was the heyday of what made people... My dad had to go back to being the doorman. Yeah. Uh, so you can imagine now there's probably seven talk shows late night that have some form of comedy. You got Comedy Central. You got Netflix, uh, Hulu, uh, Amazon, I think, is getting into stand-up. Uh, Logo is, is primarily for gay comics, but they have like Kathy Griffin specials. Right. HBO still. Showtime has a lot of... Uh, Epics. Uh, yeah. X. <laughs> So it's like, uh, there's no shortage of platforms, but none of them, they're all like vanity credits. Now I feel, am I wrong? Well, in this town, you need, um, credits to get into the clubs. Uh, that's know? true. That's hundred percent true. I mean, when I got past at the comedy store in 2013, I had no credits because roast battle had just started and there's probably uh, two years from getting on TV I, my spots were 1 a.m. and later, which I was very happy with. I, I didn't care if I was going on, you know, th- three in the morning, I'd be happy. But then I got Roast Battle and then the cartoon and then the Showtime show. And now I go on, you know, between 12 to 12.45. Because it's kind of like overtaking Rogan on the podcast world. No one's overtaking him. Right. And so at the comedy store from, say, 10 to 11.45, those are the big hitters, the, right. the Rogans, the Delias, the Marins, the, the Marins, yeah. the Theo Vaughn, uh, you know, uh, who I mean, uh, Morgan Murphy, uh, 
you know, uh, I remember Morgan Murphy. I used to years ago before podcasting was even a thing. I was a host on a thing called comedy world. We just called it internet radio and Morgan Murphy, the very funny comic and writer and all of that was a college student who came and interned there. She was like, I don't know. Comedy seems interesting. Oh, she's the best. (laughs) So it's just, it's always been hilarious to me that there is no one way to go about it. You know? Well, she's like, I wish everyone uh, was like her. Like she's very successful. She keeps it real. She's got a delivery that's drier than mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I love her because like we were on the Iron Sheik roast together. And like you wouldn't think Morgan Murphy would be a good fit on the Iron Sheik roast just because I don't necessarily know if she's like a wrestling a, 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 fan. And she yeah. killed. Like I thought she was the funniest part. Because she was like, you know, there's me, there's Tony Hinchcliffe, there's Brody Stevens, and I have a few other, uh, Mike Lawrence, I think, was on. Okay. You know, very uh, pro wrestling fans, but she just had this, you know, set of like, uh, what am I doing here? But I'm going to do jokes about this crippled old guy. <laughs> who's illiterate. Who, Yeah, who's like homophobic. <laughs> and like, it was kind of like when Hannibal Burris was on the Justin Bieber roast. Oh, my God. I hope, what like, did he say? I hope this fa- you're trying to rebuild your image and I hope it fails. Yeah, he's like, uh, I'm not even a fan of your music. I'm just here because I know it's going to help my career. <laughs> but he was being honest. Like, I was like, wow, this yeah. guy's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, I do apologize to him once when I was doing the house racist character. I'm like, hey, man, you know, it's just an act, right, bro? He's like, yeah, but you do it really well. <laughs> and I didn't really know him. So I was like, oh, fuck, I hope he doesn't think I'm an actual racist. But, you know. Well, I mean, well, we all yeah, think that did, about you a little bit. Well, you know. I mean, I did do it well for so long. Apparently not well enough. <clears throat> anyway, uh, so where are you at now? Uh, you know, how many years have you been doing stand up? <sighs> I, you know, I, I can't, I can't say that with like I I can't say like from when I started to now, because there's a lot of gaps in between. I'd say I got about 10 years in, but, uh, over about a 15 to 16 year period. And where do you like go up kind of anywhere that'll let me, I mean, I, I used to go, I used to at least a couple of times a year, go to the laugh factory out in Vegas and, uh, host out there. And, and that was like kind of my big fun romp each year. Um, not doing it this year. It's kind of, kind of, kind of where you feel about roast battle. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what happened. I thought everything was going great. Uh, I go up. I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I'm at the Hollywood hotel tomorrow night. You know, I'm, well, this will be uh, out by tomorrow morning. Oh, uh, what show is that? Uh, it's the unpopular opinion uh, live show that's in the basement of the Hollywood Hotel. And what's that? What is that? Unpopular opinion is a independent podcast network that uh, uh, my friend Adam runs. Okay. And so one of the three shows I host is on that. I used to do shows there at the Hollywood Hotel. And we all do. That's the weird thing about the Hollywood Hotel. You know, it doesn't change, no, <laughs> but you're supposed to evolve past it. But I'm still there. I'm sure that idiot bartender. No, he finally got fired. He's oh. finally gust. Right. Yeah. He was like force you to buy drinks. I'm like, dude, I'm yeah. not paying to perform. Here. And then would like play jazz trumpet in the hallway. It was a weird dude. Yeah. I mean, it's in the bay. In theory, it should be a good room because it's in the basement of a touristy hotel uh and uh you know some nights it was okay you know but that's la comedy wacky yeah. rooms like that i'm thinking of trying to 
come over to the store more. I mean, I, I, I don't, I've kind of shied away from clubs, but not by choice. I just feel like I'm not wanted there. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough, uh, you know, it's the number one club in the country. Sure. And that, and that's no exaggeration. It just, it is. Uh, but it's so like, I can only imagine the booker and the nightmares he has to deal with. Uh, I mean, literally saying to two, 300 comics a week. No. Right. Like Dom Herrera asked me how I'm treated there. And I'm like, I'm, I get treated well. And he's like, well, just remember that means someone else isn't getting treated well. It never really hit me till he said that. I was like, oh, wow. You know, so, but it's like, you gotta, it's a fine line. You gotta get in there at some point. If you don't, you know, there's a hundred people who will put in the, but it's also like you're a comic. You don't want to go up there and just hang out. No. You know, but in, in to a degree, that's kind of, that's the, that's the mentality. That's the culture of the store. You know, I don't want to hang out. Uh, I want to perform. You know, uh, but, you know, everyone's got their own uh, standards or, or whatever of what they're willing to do. Sure. You know, I won't hang out. You want me on your show? Book me. You, you know, and, and it's not like I think I'm some great comic. I just, I, my time's too valuable. I'm with you on that. And uh, that <clears throat> seems to work out for you. It has not worked out in my favor. Like uh, a lot of people think I'm very rude. And it's just because well, I'm a, uh, that. uh, that's nice to hear. I think what it is is that I'm just really, uh, I can get really shy and I'm really bad with names. So right. people think that that means I think I'm better than somebody when really I'm like, uh, everyone here is better than me. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be in the, I don't want to be in the way. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's, I'm just too honest. You are very honest, which is not, uh, I don't think it's a good thing. I disagree. I can I can see how maybe you're like, oh, I, I, I'm not doing the schmoozy glad-handing shit. But no one's ever going to be like, oh, I wonder what Earl thinks of me. Like, yeah. that's you're an open book. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, and I love Roast Battle. Like, it's, it's done everything for me. But it could have been a more pleasurable experience. Sure. Uh, just like I love the comedy store. Like, the comedy store treats me like gold. Uh so and I'm dying up here. Amazing show to work on, and the cartoon is like I wish everything was run like the cartoon. And you got all of that without representation. Yeah. So on that's one, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, so I love it. Like in one sense, uh, I don't want representation. No. Why would you at this point? Well, like I said, for roast, like the the roast battle experience led me to wanting representation because I see some of the roasters who aren't as good as me who have like big agents, they get easy matchups and, you know, they get invited back season after season after season. And it's like, uh, I beat them. I feel like I'm supposed to manage you. Is that what's supposed to happen? Am I supposed to take you on and be a client? Uh, well, but I mean, I, uh, you know, you just need someone to make the calls. Hey, yeah. Can, can we I, get Earl instead of Jimmy yeah. Carr? Can we get him uh, Ralphie, you know, or and Ralphie could have beaten me. Sure. You know, uh, which is part of my uh, attraction to Roosevelt. Anyone can lose. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I love about it. But, you know, but it's given me everything. So it's like a my feeling towards it is uh, it's like a girlfriend that's cheated on me. I shouldn't want to go back to it. 
I shouldn't care about it. But, but it's different when everyone else isn't there. When you when you two are alone, you and Roast Battle have a different relationship. Well, I just I don't understand how they operate. Okay, I just don't. That's so strange because I I associate you with that show so much. So I feel like when you say how they operate, I feel like you're part of the they. I'm not. I don't like. I don't. And I know. feel like I shouldn't have done this podcast. I thought this was going to get me on. Can you get me on roast battle? I can't get myself on <laughs> roast battle. But like, I'm a very uh, straight line, no black and you know areas of gray. It's just black and white, and like, I don't understand their decisions at all. Like, it's it. That's why I say it's been so fascinating to go. Okay, like to my mind, it's like okay. I'm clearly the most popular roaster, but based on people going on Twitter saying, when is this person battle? Right. I'm tagged in a hundred plus tweets. Bring back Earl. I put Earl up against this person or, or that person or, you know, bring him back in some capacity. I haven't seen one tweet that said, bring back anyone else. Now I don't look up the tweets, but like, I'm sure there's one or two, but like to me, that's if I'm a comedy central exec, I go, we, we got to have Val on every season. Like people want to see him battle, and so I don't. But doesn't that mean, from a certain point point of view, that you kind of have this legend around you now? But like to me, like if I'm an executive, let's use this legend, or not. You know, let's like, you know, even beating Jimmy Carr, I think, would work in their favor because it's like people don't think he beat Jimmy, people hate him, but then there's another half that loves him. That's two groups that are going to watch him. Half want to see him lose, half want to see him win. Like, that's the perfect, like, it's like there was a wrestler by the name of Rick Rude who I steal most of my character from <laughs> in terms of, like, my persona. Uh, he was a bad guy, and he would call the audience fat, out of shape, sweat hogs, and, like, you know, hold your fat wife down before she storms the stage like a rhino. Uh, and people hated him. And there was a group that loved him. And that's why he was so popular. Like, so I, you know, it's, I don't know. You know, that's why it's frustrating. I've kind of uh, just accepted that it's all a struggle and it's all a journey. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Oh, yes. I mean, it's, I try, like we've said, uh, I, I try not to worry about things I can't control. You know, um, People keep asking me about, uh, you know, before season three started, you, you're going to be on season three, right? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. How about the cartoon? Is the cartoon coming back? I don't know. I don't know. It's not up I to would me. love for right. it too. Uh, but I think a lot of people outside of showbiz think that people in showbiz have a lot more control over it than they do. Oh, you have not, you're not in control of anything no. in this business. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I try and. You know, just if it happens, it happens. You know, I mean, the Showtime show just ended a couple of weeks ago. I would love for there to be a season three. But I can't sit there every day going, oh, my God, is there going to be a season three? Is there going to be a season no, three? No, you got to live your fucking life. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just everything's out of your control in Hollywood, other than, and, which is why I love and put so much energy into this podcast. You know, I wanted you on the show. I got you on the show. I didn't have to go, hey, uh, Mr. Clark, can you get your son to, <laughs> you know, sign a waiver? That and, would be hilarious or if, if you that's had a manager, what you had to do. Right, right. Or, hey, uh, can, you think Travis would do this podcast? Well, how, what what are your numbers? It's like, uh, no, I just go directly to the source. So, uh, 
you know, that's why I think podcasts are so popular. I think that's why everyone does them because you're in control. You're in control. Finally- yeah. And there's an immediacy to it. You don't have to sit there and go, well, we got to figure out or we, you fucking sit down, you have a conversation and you're fucking, that's it. Yeah. You leave, uh, you know, you put it out the next day or that night and hopefully people like it and want to see you come back. Uh, so, you know, that's really the only thing. And you know, YouTube videos, you know, and or, or any, I never got into those, man. Well, I see value in it. You know, I wait. see value in it for sure. I just, I, I just look at it and I go, oh, I got to get a camera and I got to set up some shit and I got to edit. I don't know. Oh, video editing. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a skill I don't have. You know, like, uh, you know, Whitney Rice was, uh, you know, she is amazing at that. Like, she, like, does two to three videos a week. Oh. And they're all perfectly edited. She, the music fits every, because uh, I used to be in some of her videos. And it was, like, unbelievable how she would crank out. It's all her? Yeah, I mean, oh she is uh, the, but now she's doing TV shows and whatnot, but she got signed to her agency basically through them seeing her crank out video after video after video. Like I do this podcast, but this is easy. Just put the music on the front and the back and that's it. Right. I don't edit. You book any, put a little donut and the whole yeah. show goes in the middle. Put it on SoundCloud, upload it, goes to iTunes. I Literally, it's pretty simple. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Keep at it, man. <laughs> Where can people find you, Mr. Clark? At Mr. Travis Clark on Instagram and uh, and Twitter. I'm both. I'm at Mr. Travis Clark on on everything. Do you have a website? Not anymore. And give us the podcast. All the plug, but say it slowly. I got you. Plug all your podcasts, and then you know we'll get a nice little podcast uh, funnel going. Uh, I host a talk show with my buddy Jonathan Sadowski called Quick Question. Uh, that's where we have people on. They reach into a jar of questions. Uh, we Even we don't know what the question will be, and then we have a little conversation about that. Uh, Quick Question just started our season two. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and all of those things. Uh, that And you can follow that show at QuickQPod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and then uh, just head over to the uh, Unpopular Opinion or Unpopular Pops Network. Uh, there's a lot of shows there that I guest on, and I host two. One called Heart Shaped Pod, which is all about the band Nirvana, and one called Three Dollar Pod Y'all, which is all about Limp Biscuit. And tomorrow night at the Hollywood Hotel. Tomorrow night at the Hollywood Hotel, a bunch of us unpop hosts will be uh, doing the stand up comedy. All right. This has been an honor, Travis. We'll have you back on again. Dude, this was amazing. Thanks for having me on. Oh, dude, you're one of the good ones. Hopefully uh, my fans become your fans and vice versa. And, uh, you know, guys, you know the drill. Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Thanks for the love and support. Leave a review if you haven't done so already. And uh, go to the Hollywood Hotel tomorrow, which is, is that on Vine or Vermont? It's on Vermont. It's on Vermont. I think if uh, you know if you're local, check it out. It's a it's a fun place. It's in a basement of a, <laughs> a pretty cool hotel, yeah. uh, and it works. It somehow works. and it'll be a fun show for sure. Um, so go check that out. And uh, next week we got a few episodes. Got a big one from the White Shadow coming. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, let's just say I might have the starting point guard from Carver High, Maurice Thorpe. We're negotiating the situation as we speak.